I want you to be aware that uh, we're taking this portion of our series, uh, Super Story, from Luke 18, from verse 9 to 14. So Greater Lekki Center, I hope you can hear me. Uh, Mainland Center, I hope you can hear me. Luke 18, from verse 9 to 14. Matthew 20, from verse 1 to 16. The parable of uh, the workers in the vineyard. And we're also looking at the story, the parable that Jesus told about the Pharisees and the publicans and their uh, attitude towards condemnation, comparison, and all that. Praise God. I said praise God. One more time, let's welcome everyone joining us from the Greater Lekki Center and the Mainland Center. Let's appreciate them. And everyone joining us from all around the world, online church, we welcome you very, very specially. The big players in this story, as I want to move very quickly, are the Pharisees, uh, the publicans, uh, the early workers in the second story, the late workers, the vine owner or the land owner, in which case, in this case, we're looking at this being God himself. The Pharisees justified in his own eyes and the critical of the publican. The Pharisee qualified himself for blessing, but was disqualified in the eyes of God. That was the story we read from Luke chapter 18 from verse 9 to 14. The Pharisee justified himself in his own eyes and condemned the other guy. You know, uh, this publican or sinner or tax collector showed up and said, I'm not worthy of anything, I, I'm, just, I'm just a sinner, and uh, from his heart, the publican, you know, aware of his failings and seeking mercy, he, he, he came out from his heart to talk to God. Pharisee there uh, should speak to some of us, <clears throat> or those of us, who usually will have in our minds all the great things that we're doing and why we qualify for God's blessings. Many Christians uh, will take this posture from time to time, just thinking about what qualifies us for the blessing outside of grace. And you see, when we think about what qualifies us for the blessing outside of grace, uh, a lot of the time we have many things to point out, especially if you're very hardworking, um, if you're very serious-minded, if you have always tried to do your stuff well, you have always come up with uh, first position in class from primary school, secondary school, and maybe you even graduated with the first class. Then you feel all this really should qualify you for a blessing. And that, that's, that's, that's not, you know, a bad thought. It's just that sometimes we take it too far. We take it too far to the point where we start to judge other people and then we start to think of why God will bless somebody with a third class or pass. You know, uh, uh, let me confess uh, many of my sins. I, I was uh, many, many years ago, this was over 20 years ago, and after I left university, I, I had a conversation with someone who was just talking to me about a, a babe that he wanted to date. And I don't know how we got into it to ask, so which school she graduate from? Mentioned the university in Nigeria and said, I, I, I also cannot remember how we got into discussing what she graduated with. And then my friend said, a third class. And I didn't know how and why I started talking. Why do you want to marry somebody that graduated with a third class? 
you know, and every time, up till now, every time I remember that conversation, I feel sorry for myself. <laughs> because, <laughs> because with the benefit of hindsight now, uh, neither third class or first class or no class matter. <laughs> it's the grace of God and the blessings of God that separates us. Is somebody still with me this morning? Yes. Yeah. It's the grace of God, the blessings of God that creates a pathway for us in life. Many people, you know, who, who graduate with all kinds of, had all kinds of opportunities in life. It's not the amount of opportunities that are available to you. It's the one that God gave you, the presence of mind, to lay hold on and to maximize. That's what matters. The one that God, you know, pours his blessing upon. In the second story for this morning, the vine owner, the land owner, went out to seek people to work on his farm. And he got some people in just at the right time. In Nigeria here, uh, we start work at 8 a.m. in the morning. Some people came in at 8 a.m. just at the right time. They're supposed to work maybe from 8 to 6 p.m. or something. And some of the people were just there. And then he went out again at another hour. At noon, saw some other people, got them in. When he got the first batch in, he told them, I'm going to pay you your daily wage. That's all you're going to get. That's, what, that's, that's the, the just thing to do, the right thing to do. And then he got the other guys in and said, I'll give you whatever is right. And then he went again at 3 p.m., got these other guys in, I'll give you whatever is right. And then at 5 p.m., an hour, which is the time you call the 11th hour, when it's just one hour to closing time, he went again and got some other folks in. And then he told them, I'll give you whatever is right. You see, this, this parable, especially this second one, is one of those parables of Jesus that you, you, you read. And if you're a very pragmatic, business-minded person, it messes up your mind. Because you start to think, how can the, the judge uh, of the universe, the most righteous God, display certain sense of irrationality, certain sense of injustice, if you can put it that way, uh, and, you, you know, it starts to mess up your mind. This is the reason why some people read the Bible. They, they can't get it, and they resign to faith, thinking that this thing just doesn't work. And that, you know, you, you can't, that this God, you can't understand him, or something like that. And nothing can be further from the truth, because these stories Jesus told to, you know, uh, to, to just send home certain kingdom principles to us, for us to understand how the kingdom of God works and how God operates. So, this morning, whether you are the late worker, the early worker, wherever camp you belong, as we start to unpack this, I want you to open your mind to understand something. That, that, I mean, to understand some things. Let me start with three big thoughts. One is, why do we sometimes think grace is unfair. A lot of the time we think that grace is unfair because when we read stories like these, like I said, it, it kind of messes up our mind and we start to feel, how do you even figure out God in all this? How can people who came in one hour to the end get the same thing with the people and Jesus was saying that the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first. Why should I position to be the first and then I become the last? But why should I position so be, why should I even position to be the last? So you look at some people and you judge them. They're lazy. Why will you be faffing around all day 
And, but one thing you should understand was when, when the, the vine owner met them, he asked them, they said, nobody will hire us. Nobody will hire us. It meant that maybe they were not the best hands. Maybe they had certain disabilities. Maybe they had stories that other vine owners could not understand and they judged them for their stories. Maybe they have certain inadequacies. In our society today, we have people who are marginalized for one reason or the other. Nobody wants to touch them with a long pole. But God is always the father to the fatherless and the husband of widows. He's always looking out to the, vulner the vulnerable, the people who lack help. It's the one that is always there looking out for them. And that's, this is the essence of grace. Can I say this as I go a little further? That for you to understand God better, you see, this, this super stories, uh, I, I'm not going to try to quote a lot of scriptures. I just want you to understand through this story uh, and be able to relate with God better. Now, I want everybody here and everyone, you know, at the other centers to understand one thing this morning. For you to work with God better, you need to understand that morality is good, but God is not a moralist. He's a just God. There's a difference between morality and righteousness or justice or being just. They're two different things. They're two different things. When you talk about morality, you hold people up to standards that they can never meet. God said, grace doesn't work like that. Grace works with overlooking wrongs and inadequacies and empowering the weak to begin to move up. I don't know if somebody's following me today. That's how grace works. Grace, first and foremost, overlooks and then empowers. Somebody say with me today. It overlooks and then it empowers. So we're displeased when we see grace manifested. Our attitude, a lot of the time to uh, single mothers, for instance, or single fathers, as the case may be, our attitude, I just want to get into some people groups and unpack this a little bit more. Our attitude to divorcees, for instance, is like they, they're the ones that mess up their marriages and then they're now people that God is angry with. As, as much as I'm not going to say that people should just leave their marriages anyhow, if, if you have an encounter with someone who used to be married, who is no longer married, check your mind on how you judge the situation and how you, how you judge them. Yeah. Don't forget Matthew 7 and verse 1. Jesus said, do not judge. Read from verse 1 to 7, I mean to 5. He said, because with the same measure with which you judge shall be met, met back unto you. And he said, Check the, 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 the nepal pole in your eyes before you inspect the speck, the toothpick in somebody's eyes. I hope you understand what I'm saying. The electricity pole that's sticking out of your own eye. He said, check it very well. Pay attention to it before you pay attention to the toothpick that is coming from somebody's eyes. It's very important that we understand this. Yeah. We understand the workings of grace. So attitude towards single mothers, to divorces, uh, to jobless people too. You know, sometimes you can meet somebody who says, I've not had a job in the last one year. I say, how can somebody not have a job in the last one year? There must be something you're doing wrong. Yeah. As, you know, something is wrong. 
It's just, you know, they won't say it's like, you're not okay, but... <laughs> but, you know, you try to just say, look, there's something wrong in your mind. You, I mean, especially if you have never lacked a job in your life. You think it's a walk in the park, you know, to get a job. Yeah. And you just start to, to compare yourself and judge people for not, for not having a job. I found myself, you see, all the things I'm saying this morning, I've done them. <laughs> and anytime I remember, I just, I just feel sorry for myself. I told one story here before, how I went to, you know, on the Victoria Island, I mean, on Lekki Peninsula here, Lekki Face 1, to Bab. This was many years ago. Those days, I just used to shave my hair. I didn't have any hair on my hair. Yeah. I just regularly, like a week or two, I would go to a particular salon there. So I got into this salon, and a man was sitting down doing pedicure and manicure. Some of you have heard the story before. Yeah. And there were ladies doing it for him. So they were doing his feet, you know, and doing, you know. So two, two ladies... One was touching his leg, one was touching his hand. And I was sitting waiting for the barber for my turn. And in my mind, I cut that guy to pieces. <laughs> you know, I was just like, ah, what kind of a married man? I saw his ring, I said, what kind of a married man? See women touching you. How bad a sinner can you be? <laughs> touching your hand, touching your leg, do, do, do. And you know, the man was just sitting down there, just... <laughs> In my mind, if there's a fast train to hell or a jumbo jet that can land in a few seconds, a guy should be on top inside it. That, that, that's the way I was feeling that time. Because, you know, and you may be laughing at me, but we do this all the time. We do this all the time. We really judge people and we compare ourselves with people and, you know, we feel so righteous. Jesus had a running battle with the Pharisees on this. It was a running battle. If there was a group of people that Jesus dealt with the most in all of the scriptures, it was the Pharisees. The Pharisees. In Matthew 23, for instance, uh, Jesus did not mince word from verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. That's how he called them. Hypocrites. He said, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourself, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Because you keep raising the standard to keep them out, to exclude them from grace. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. He says again in verse 15, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, a convert, and when he's one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Yeah. Because you win one proselyte, and then you put a, a, a truckload of condemnation on this new convert, this proselyte, because you make the standard of, of God or of, of grace like something that is highly unattainable. Look, if man can please God in the flesh, God will not have to send Jesus. There's no need. All through the Old Testament, that was what they tried. It didn't work. Then God now said, 
qualification for grace will now just be nothing but if you want to have maximum grace beyond salvation, may the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That one is for everybody. For grace to live the kingdom life will come just by accepting Christ. Yeah. It's not my work, it's his work. He finished the work on the cross of Calvary, so I come in. Yeah. And you can't judge when I come in. <laughs> He's always calling. Yeah. Always calling. And some people will respond early, some people will respond late, but it's the same salvation. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Yeah, it's the same salvation. The same salvation. The same salvation. And he will not judge anybody. But as we come in, we engage his grace and we start to grow into his image. While we behold faintly as in the glass, the glory of God. The Bible says, uh, it said we're changed, transformed from one level of glory to another as by the Spirit of God. Yeah. In that 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18, we, we change, we, we're transformed from one level of glory to another by the Spirit of God. So, uh, I'm still on this first big thought. Why do we sometimes think grace is unfair? Why do we look at people who look differently from us? Yeah. Somebody has a tattoo. Yeah. Somebody has dreadlock. And because of that, you have disqualified them in your mind. Yeah. I, I know as I'm speaking this morning, some people are like, eh. Yeah. The fact that somebody looks differently from you does not disqualify them from the grace. You are not the dispenser of grace. Yeah. It flows from God. So whether is, I mean, in this church we encourage that people should, 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 be, should engage moderation when it comes to dressing, you know, and all that. We, we say we... we we don't want to expose ourselves. The Bible says whatever makes your brother stumble, don't eat it. That's the balance. But at the same time, whether somebody likes to be glamorous or simple or, you know. <laughs> Anyhow, you just have to be able to cope with it. Yeah. Yeah. Just have to be able to cope with it. I love to be as simple as possible, but when I meet people who are, you know, Gorgeous and uh, the love to do all the works. We, we love each other. Yeah. We still love each other. Somebody sit with me this morning. Because God has many shades. Yeah, God has many shades. I love my shade, but I should appreciate every other shade. Because they are all God's shades. We are all reflecting his glory one way or the other. Are you still with me this morning? Very, very important. So, even when we talk about other people groups like politicians, pastors, police. <laughs> now, now, now. <laughs> Thank you. I have three big thoughts. I'm only on first one. So, you do well this morning to allow me to... <laughs> You know, as a Nigerian, for instance, with all the narrative about our policemen and the, the 
police system and all. It's possible for you to see a policeman and in your mind, you are seeing hell. As you, as you see, you just see hell written all over the person. But nothing can be further from the truth. We cannot be the Pharisees of this generation. Because Jesus was against the Pharisees. Did you know how, how it looked for Jesus to go into the house of a tax collector? From the foundation of the earth, tax collectors have been corrupt. Apologies to anybody who work with LIRS, IRS, FRS here. But just permit me to teach this morning, all right? The, the way they wrote about tax collectors in the Bible, anytime they are listing bad people, they said tax collectors and sinners, and this, even, when they, <laughs> even when they wanted to talk about Jesus, they said he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners and wine by bars, you know, and all that. Yeah. But do you think it's the right qualification or appellation or description or adjective to call somebody a friend of tax collectors and sinners? And that's our Lord and Savior. Yeah. That's who we want to be like. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? That's, that's the way the, the Bible says we should grow into the image of Christ. It's part of it. It's not just the piety and the holiness. Can you be friends with somebody who needs grace? Yeah. Will your grace exonerate you from that friendship or it will attract you to that friendship so that that grace can rub off on them? That's what I'm saying this morning. Yeah. And it's when we refuse to be judgmental in our approach to life, and we refuse to compare ourselves unjustly with other people. That's when this will work out. Because this is the Christ that we want to be like. I mean, can you imagine the graphic image of the, 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 the woman with the alabaster box who came and had a reputation to be seductive, to be this, to be that. She, she had a bad reputation. Yeah. To the point that the Pharisees saw it and said, ah, this man cannot be a prophet. If it's a prophet, you should know that this woman is a prostitute, is a sinner, and then you now allow her to be rubbing her hair on his leg. Even you, if you saw me, your pastor, <laughs> eh? sitting down somewhere, maybe in Victoria Island there or something, eh? and you saw one woman that just rubbing, you know, you say, ah, Pastor G. What do you think is, what's going on here? Some of you will have enough presence of mind to say, uh, PG, in first instance, what are you doing here? Second instance, what is really Africa? Can you explain? And in these days of social media, you know what will happen? Some people take that picture. Then it gets everywhere. And before you know it, there's a tweet storm. There's a, Instagram is exploding. Elevation pastor caught in broad daylight. With the ladies of the streets, you know, and all, all kinds of things will go out there. And you know, these are the things sometimes that stop us from truly wanting to live the Christ life out. That we may shine our light. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come for, he said, the physician, the, the, the people who, who are well, they don't need physicians. Is the people who are sick that need physicians. Yeah. And if you truly have light, you shine it in darkness, not in light. 
A lot of us would rather shine our light in church where there is enormous light already. We don't need your light here, brother. Yeah? Sister, we don't need your light here. You know, in church, we show ourselves how holy we are. A tongue of angel. When we start to worship now, you see all kinds of tongues. Yeah? When you get into the midst of darkness, you put your tail between your legs and walk like, you know, or just blend. Jesus walked with people. He didn't judge them. All kinds of people. All kinds of people. He sought to understand what they were going through. And to show them that grace is for all, not for a few. And that people should not be judged based on what they're going through, based on where they have been. As I was driving to church this morning uh, uh, at one of the lights there, you know, like I told you before, the guys, most of them are my friends. We talk, as in all the young boys on the street. I'm still, when, when we're ready, I'll talk to you about some of the interventions we're going to do for them. We're working, I mean, our shelter team, they're still doing some final work. But, you know, there are all kinds of governmental bottlenecks and all, but, and even parental one. One of them that's very close to me, I asked him once, uh, so, where are your parents? He said, they are somewhere. So, why did they allow you to do this? Eh? You know, we have to eat. So, if I want to take you, what will happen? I said, no, you can't take me. And my parents will not agree. I would like to go, but my parents will not agree. So those are some of the things that some of us need to work on. But this is what I'm saying. As we got to traffic light, they came as usual. Pastor, pastor, pastor. I say, pastor, pray for us. And usually I will lay hands on them. So I was laying hands on them. Some of the heads have not been washed in weeks. <laughs> so maybe you shouldn't shake me after the service. Sorry. <laughs> so I was laying hands on them. And as we drove off, I was telling Brother Steve, who was driving me, to say, look, do you know that some of these guys, in adulthood, some people are going to judge them if they misbehave, if they do something, if they are extra, you know, you know, extra people. Yeah, if they behave extra. But do you know, because I was trying to feel it, I couldn't, I've never slept on the street before. Yeah, I was trying to feel it, this, as in this morning, I tried just to feel what it's like to spend your childhood on the street. I really couldn't feel it. Yeah. Maybe some of us will, should try it over next weekend. We'll strip on the street. <laughs> so that we can feel it. If you, if you are willing to join me, we can do it. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes you need to feel something to understand where people are being. Are you still with me today? Yeah. So rather than looking at a, 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 a woman dealing with uh, a child with special need, and you think, oh, maybe she had something when she was pregnant, you see your life, you see your life, and they say, don't smoke, don't smoke when you're pregnant. See, stop judging people. Yeah. Judging people. Let's stop judging people. Praise God. I said, praise God. So you can't walk your way to impress God. You will wear yourself out. That's why grace is important. Self-righteousness gets in the way of blessing. Be humble, not prideful. Can you let me tap your neighbor say, be humble, not prideful. Psalm 34 and verse 18, the Bible talks about, uh, you know, uh, uh, a contrite heart. 
That God wants a contract heart, a humble spirit. He said, these are the things that touch God. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such who have a contrite spirit. Yeah, those are the people that God is looking out for. Psalm 51, verse 17. Can you put that up for me to Psalm 51, verse 17? Uh, uh, Psalm 51, and verse 17. Quickly, quickly, quickly. There's something about the heart, the sacrifice of God. It says, a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. But that's what man despises. Uh, what men will despise from time to time. But God will not despise that. So don't be quick to draw conclusion based on uh, what, what you can see. The, 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 the Pharisees couldn't see the publican's brokenness in that story. Where he was judging the other guy uh, and saying, look, I fast once a week. I pay my tithe. I do this. The God was looking for the brokenness in the other person. God will want the person to match up a little more in his relationship with him. But at the same time, it's looking out, first and foremost, for brokenness. So God is not moved by onward show, but the inward sincerity. Yeah, the inward sincerity. And by the way, eternity is a leveler. So living with God in eternity is not about how long you have been saved or you have been serving. It's about whether or not you accept him. So eternity is a leveler. Whether you came in at 8 a.m. or 5 p.m., we're going to the same heaven. The only thing is that there's a promise of a better life if you come in early. Yeah. The mistake that the other guys were making was to feel like all the benefits, maybe while they were working, they fed them. The other guys have been hungry all day. They made new friends there. Many things happened while they were working. You overlooked all that. You're only thinking about the wage. Yeah. Only about the wage. There are many benefits to being in early that is tend to overlook and just looking at the wage only and judging God based on the wage that he paid the people who came late and then who have been under the scorching sun all day. The second big thought, is there any benefit to working hard? Why not just rest on grace? You know, people who just feel, you know, because if you look at that story very well, if you came in at 8 a.m. and some people came in at 5 p.m. and you got the same amount, there's a tendency for you to think, what's the point? Yeah, let's join the loafers. We join the loafers, we come in at quarter to six. Yeah. And just, just quickly, you know, get in there. Somebody say with me today. There's a common reward for her, but there are rewards that happen while in the vineyard. While in the vineyard. That's what you need to think about. That's why I cannot, you know, play lazy or play, uh, let me just do my Christianity anyhow. All of us are, you know, going to have the same benefit at the end of the day. There's no point killing ourselves about kingdom or about this, about that. No. We need to be mindful of the fact that uh, uh, there are rewards in there beyond the wage. The benefit of good work is beyond remuneration. They include access, vital networks, relationships, experience, the access to the kingdom system, you know, and all that. So when scripture says you should not muzzle the ox as it treasures the corn, 
Don't muzzle yourself while in the vineyard. Don't behave like what we discussed last week, the brother of the prodigal son, who said, I've been here all this time. You didn't kill a small goat. He has a small goat mindset. Yeah. You didn't kill a small goat for me. Your son, the younger guy, collected everything he, 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 he asked for, went on rampage, and then came back, and God was still there. The father was still there with open hands. And the brother of the prodigal son with a small goat mindset said, even small goat you didn't give him. And he said, while you were here, everything belonged to you. Everything belongs to you. And you did not do anything about it. You didn't ask. You didn't, you didn't take what belongs to you. Somebody's still here today. It's very important. Very, very important. So you become a better person when you walk with God. You will avoid many pitfalls, years of unproductivity, and are more likely to die empty without regret. Why should I jump in early? Or why should I make myself available early? Even if I feel that it's the same reward. is that I want to die empty. I want to, I want to put my best into it. I want to just, not because I, I think that's what we qualify me for anything, but because I just want to make myself available. Can you help me tap your neighbor, tell your neighbor, say, make yourself available. Say, God wants to do great things through your life. God doesn't take idle capacity lightly. So you need to do what your hand finds to do. Yeah. God doesn't take idle capacity lightly. We need to do whatever our hand finds to do. Lastly, uh, this morning, God is persistent about rescuing and restoring. He's very persistent. That's why he kept going out. He kept going out. He kept going out. Think about the mercy of God. Think about his grace. Think about the manifestation of his power. Think about his magnanimity. Magnanimity is big heart. Everything. It takes that understanding for you to comprehend why he kept going out. It wasn't like he didn't have enough people. But he kept going every other hour. Just go out. Bring more people here. Go out, bring more people here. That's the God we serve. That's our Father. Never write anyone off. You know, when he went out at 5 p.m., he should have said, Guys, what what are you thinking about? Why are you still here? You should have come to volunteer since, even if I didn't come out to call you. He said, You? Good for nothing? You know, who will hire you at this time? No. He said, Come in. Come in. Come in. Can you hear me tap your neighbor? Say it's time to come in. Come in. Tap somebody else. Say it's time to come in. Glory be to Jesus. God is persistent about rescuing and restoring you. Always. So the divine owner, you know, kept going out and looking for people. So we need, uh, there's, there's a, a, you know, a warning alarm here. So you don't know your 11th hour. Don't squander today's opportunity while banking on tomorrow. Because you have no control over tomorrow. Yeah. So don't waste today's opportunity thinking that there, 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 there will still be tomorrow. It's a case of what do you want to do to make your life count for God's kingdom. So it's never too late to be restored. Don't miss another opportunity to accept grace. I'm speaking that to somebody's heart this morning. Who feels excluded? Maybe because you think about where you have been. Maybe because people have judged you. 
Church people may have even judged you. Even members of Elevation Church may have judged you. But you are still here this morning. You are watching online, wherever you may be, at the Mainland Center, at the Greater Lekki Center. I want you to know this morning that God will never exclude you from grace. The irreducible minimum of Christianity is acceptance of Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Every other thing is addition. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things shall be added. Why don't you focus on that? Forget about who is judging you. Forget about who thinks you don't look like it. Forget about who thinks you, you're, you're not qualified. And just allow God to do his work in your life. Glory be to Jesus. It's never too late to be restored. Never too late. The one hour you have left to walk is useful to God. Yeah, very useful to God. Very, very useful to God. So as I wrap this all up, it's important for us to get the morals of the story. Can you help me look at your neighbor? Say, stop judging others. Face your own walk with God squarely. Look at somebody on the other side. Say, stop judging others face your own work with God squarely. In fact, I don't have this on my slide, but uh, uh, it came to mind and, and I'm going to say, look at your neighbor again. Say, run your race. Run your race. Stay on your lane. Stay on your lane. Say to somebody, I say, run your race. Run your race. Stay, on your lane. Stay on your lane. A lot of the time, people are not running their race, they are running other people's race. Sometimes you are running your race, but you are not on your lane. Either way, you are disqualified. You have disqualified yourself. Yeah. You may be on a career path. You are running your race. But you are not on your lane. You are always looking at the other person's lane. Sometimes you are, you, you are not running your race because you have been distracted. Many people have jumped ship from what God wants them to do, from where God wants them to serve, from where God wants them to make a life of contribution just because you are looking at somebody else and they are distracted from running your own race. Life is a personal adventure. God wants to walk with me the way I am. Yeah. He wants to walk with me the way I am. As a pastor, well, you know, I tell myself this all the time. The calling of God over our church, the Elevation Church, and the DNA of our church is unique. So we're not going to compare ourselves with other churches. We just want to stay on our calling and on our lane. Are you still with me today? The aggregation of giftings that God brings into this church is unique. I started saying this from year one of this church. Someone like Pastor TJ will bear me witness. That God continually will bring certain aggregations of grace into this church. That's what makes us unique and peculiar. He will not judge us based on what is happening in the church next door, on the church in another city, or a church in America. He will judge us based on the aggregation of giftings that he has put within this church. What are we doing with what we have? It's on the basis of that that God will rate us. So I set myself free from ungodly comparison. I love all the pastors. I relate with everybody. I hope they love me too. Yeah. But I'm not going to live my life just to seek for people to love me. 
especially these days where we, we like likes. You understand what I'm saying? Social media, we like likes and retweets and share. That's what some people are look, living for right now. You are, you are living for likes. Yeah. See, when the days that Jesus lived, if there was social media then. I don't know how many likes they will be getting. The kind of comments you will be getting will be extremely terrible. You can read, even if you put the Bible in the context of social media, you see the, content, the, the comments, yeah, the comment segment of the Bible. If you look at it from social media perspective, you see that those comments are not great comments about him. May God set somebody free here from fear of rejection, from, you know, just being, wanting to be loved or to be liked, but for you to run your race and to stay on your lane. Yeah. Run your race, stay on your lane. Sometimes it's family. The expectations of family, the expectations of parents, of siblings, of family members, running us crazy and getting us off our lane or off our race. Stop judging others. Face your own work with God. Secondly, God is persistent about blessing and restoring you. Whatever you may be right now, God is persistent, is consistent about wanting to bless and wanting to restore you. Last moral of this story. Don't lose hope. Keep showing up and hope will find you. Hope will find you. Don't lose hope. Keep showing up and definitely hope will find you. If you're blessed this morning, put your hands together, celebrate Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I love to pray. I have two prayers. First is I want to pray what God put in my heart this morning for someone here. And then I'm going to pray for anyone who wants to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Let me do the first prayer. The first prayer, I need just one or two minutes to do this well. Proverbs 18 and verse 10. The Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and are saved. Someone is here this morning. You need, I, I need to join my faith with yours. I don't know what you're going through right now. But you need a revelation of God as your strong tower. Because your life has been threatened. Your life has been threatened. Good Aleki and Mainland Church, if you are still with us, please join this prayer. And everyone online, if there's anyone here who needs God to show up as a strong tower, maybe you are in a storm, or you're going through a threat, I want you to stand right now and let me pray with you. Let me pray with you. God brought you into this service this morning because he wants to reveal himself to you as your strong tower. Is the great and mighty deliverer and a strong tower in time of trouble. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and they are saved.